Well, the Orioles certainly haven't made the big move of the offseason yet, but there have been some smaller moves, minor league deals, guys going elsewhere, swirling around that give us some Orioles news and notes to talk about. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to dive into some Orioles news and notes. Got three players who the Orioles have brought in on minor league deals over the past couple of weeks that we haven't gotten to yet on the pod. So I wanted to talk a little bit about their careers and what they could bring to the O's coming up on this episode. Then some former Orioles, guys who were either at the big league or the AAA level with Baltimore in 2023, have either signed elsewhere or have some rumors that they're not coming back to Baltimore. We'll talk about why the O's have decided to move on from some of those players. Then at the end of the pod, an ode to Ryan Miner, who tragically passed away last week and was a big part of the Baltimore Orioles family. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So let's jump into the Orioles news and notes. This isn't going to be, you know, some life-shattering podcast that we do here today that, uh, you know, dives deep into the Orioles, you know, what are they going to? Make this trade for Dylan Cease or Corbin Burns. or And we talked about it yesterday. Make sure to check out Tuesday's episode. Kind of did a deep dive on a mailbag episode on what exactly at this point it would cost for the Orioles to make a trade with the White Sox for Dylan Cease. We got some reporting about what they were asking of the Cincinnati Reds in a similar deal and kind of lined it up with what the O's have in their system. But today we're talking about some more minor pieces, but some guys who could potentially appear in the big leagues at some point. With the Orioles. So first of all, over the last few weeks, the Orioles have signed three players to minor league deals, two of them, it looks like, with invites to big league spring training in Sarasota. And wanted to get to all three of them just because, hey, you never know, they could make an appearance in an Oriole uniform. The first one, well, he's coming back to the Orioles system, and that is the right-handed pitcher, Wandison Charles, who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal last offseason, spent the entire year in the O's minor league system, a chunk of the year in Bowie, and then most of the rest of the season in AAA Norfolk, and he became a minor league free agent, but the Orioles have decided to bring him back on another minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Now, Wandison Charles, a 27-year-old right-handed pitcher who threw all in all 45 innings in relief in the Orioles system last year. Now, he had never pitched above double-A when the Orioles signed him, and that's where they sent him to double-A Bowie. And he came in with some pretty big walk issues in his career, but also some big-time stuff and a lot of strikeouts. And he was awesome in Bowie. Pitched 15 innings for the Bay Sox, had a 2-3-5 ERA, had an unbelievable 42% strikeout rate. That is more than, that's basically right around double the league average. And an 8% walk rate was one of the lowest of his careers. And it looked like the Orioles had fixed him. So, of course, they sent him up to AAA, and he had never pitched there. It was his first appearance in AAA when the Orioles sent him up to Norfolk. And when he got to Norfolk, it looked a lot more like the Wandis and Charles you had seen in different organizations, the Athletics, and others over the past few years. 
He threw 30 innings in Norfolk and had a 5.70 ERA. While the strikeout numbers were good, 29%, the walk rate at 20% more than double the league average. It was a serious issue once again for Charles. And while at times he looked dominant, at other times he looked lost trying to find the strike zone. That had pretty much been the story for Wanda and Charles. But the Orioles, it seemed, saw enough in his time with their system last year that they felt like, okay, let's get another crack at trying to fix the command issues for Wanda and Charles. Because listen, the stuff is really good. It's a four-seam fastball at 98 miles per hour. Then he's got a, a hard slider. It's kind of in between a slider and a cutter at 89. Then he also throws a changeup, and he'll toss in a sinker every now and then as well. And shout out to Prospects Live, who now has AAA Stuff Plus. Stuff Plus was a statistic created by Enoceris that looks at like just what is your stuff doing on the mound. It doesn't look at the location, doesn't look at the command, just how good is this pitch in a vacuum. And the league average is 100, so anything above 100 is considered an above-average pitch and gets better and better as the number goes up. Now, it does do well in determining what's going to be a good pitch, even though it doesn't take into account location, because for Felix Bautista, his splitter and his fastball, two of the best pitches among Stuff Plus in baseball. So it still looks at that. Now, a guy who also is loved by Stuff Plus is Brian Baker, one of the reasons why I'm still in the Brian Baker train. His stuff is really good. But for the last year, he hasn't known where it's going, and that's why he spent a lot of time in AAA last season. But that's just kind of a look at Stuff Plus. Prospects Live has debuted AAA Stuff Plus numbers, which has been really helpful for looking at prospects and minor league deals and guys you claim on waivers and things like that. And the issue with Juanison Charles is his four-seam fastball, he doesn't have good command of it. And its Stuff Plus is below average. So even though it averages 98 and he's up above 100, a lot of times with that four-seamer, it doesn't have, you know, great ride. It doesn't have great movement. It's just kind of a straight fastball. That is his issue because he throws that four-seamer more than anything else. Now, on the flip side, when you look at his off-speeds, this is where he gets work done. That hard slider slash cutter, 107 on Stuff Plus, and 111 on a stat called Location Plus, which basically just looks at how well do you locate this certain pitch doesn't care about its velocity, doesn't care about its movement. How well do you locate it? The fact that he has a slider that's well above average in terms of how good it is, well above average in terms of how well he locates it, that pitch is awesome. And the changeup that he throws as well is very similar. He only uses the changeup about 8% of the time. But again, a 112 stuff plus arguably could be his best pitch and a 112 location plus. So the Orioles still see the stuff for Charles and say, if we can tweak that fastball a little bit, the secondaries are elite. And I know the O's had slightly considered maybe adding him to the 40-man roster this offseason. I think if there's some injuries in the bullpen, Wanderson and Charles is certainly an option to pitch out of the Major League bullpen in 2024 for the Orioles. I actually am here to guess that it's going to happen at some point next year. Next guy they brought in was not a re-sign. Jacob Hernandez, a 27-year-old left-handed pitcher who the Orioles brought in on a minor league deal. Now, I didn't get confirmation on this, but my assumption would be that it is a two-year minor league deal. The Orioles did a deal like that with a right-hander named Nathan Webb earlier this offseason, a guy who's coming off Tommy John. You don't know how much he'll pitch this year, but you want him in the system, so you sign him to a two-year deal, so he's with you in 2025 as well. I would assume... That is what they've done with left-hander Jacob Hernandez because Hernandez, who was in AAA with the Philadelphia Phillies last year, got injured in June, 
And in mid-June, he got Tommy John surgery. So best case scenario, best case scenario, you're maybe seeing Hernandez, I mean, on the AAA mound after the All-Star break next year. And that's if there are zero setbacks whatsoever. If there's any setbacks, I mean, he could theoretically miss the entire 2024 season and then be fully healthy and ready to go in spring training 2025. But more than likely, he comes back and pitches at some point late next year. But that's why I would assume you're signing him to a two-year minor league deal. You're not going to bring someone in, I wouldn't think, on a one-year minor league deal just to pitch, I don't know, six weeks, you know, two months at the end of the season. So that would be my assumption. But Jacob Hernandez, 27-year-old lefty, who was a 21st-round pick of the Phillies back in 2017 and has spent his entire minor league career in the Philadelphia system. Again, this was his last year before hitting minor league free agency. You get those seven years in the minor league system before you become a free agent. And with the Tommy John surgery, the Phillies just decided not to bring him back. Now, he has been in AAA since he got called up to that level midway through the 2021 season. And he's been in the AAA bullpen for the Phillies with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. That entire time just has never gotten the addition to the 40-man roster and has never gotten that big league call-up. But in 2022, when he was fully healthy, 49 innings, a 4.86 ERA, a really, really strong 35% strikeout rate. That is like elite. And a 10% walk rate, which is high, but, but nothing terrible at all. So those are really good numbers to come off of. Now, before the injury in AAA this year, he threw 23 innings, 4.22 ERA, 27% strikeout rate, still good. 14% walk rate, much more concerning, but opponents only hit 173 against the left-hander in AAA this year. Now, he's really a three-pitch mix, and it's definitely an interesting mix that he has. It's a four-seam fastball that only throws about 91, but has good ride to it, good movement to it that makes it a little deceptive. A 111 stuff plus on that pitch, which means it's 11% better than your average four-seam fastball. His curveball's got a 104 stuff plus at 80 miles an hour, and then even his changeup that he throws to righties is good at a 109 stuff plus. Basically means he's got three above-average pitches, and that is really good to have. And the Orioles are investing in a guy that is currently still rehabbing from Tommy John surgery and has never pitched in the major leagues. Now, it's not like they gave him a big league deal, right? This is a minor league deal. And again, one thing I will say about all these minor league deals I talk about, all the minor league deals the Orioles have given out, even moves like, you know, the trade for Jonathan Heasley from the Royals a couple weeks ago. That was a glorified waiver claim, basically. These are super low risk, potentially high reward moves, right? You're not giving up basically anything to sign a guy to a minor league deal, and you never know if he hits, that's huge for your team moving forward. So that's kind of the context of these minor league deals. Again, wouldn't expect to see Hernandez until July or later of the AAA season, but you know, if he's impressing when he does start to get on the mound, maybe just maybe he's a depth option for the Orioles at the end of the year. And then the last guy they signed to a minor league deal, Rockabaco of Masson, reporting this one, even though it hasn't been on the transaction wire yet, is David Banuelos, who was signed by the Orioles, a catcher to a minor league deal. 27-year-old catcher who was a fifth-round pick out of Long Beach State by the Seattle Mariners all the way back in 2017. That winter after the draft, he was traded to the Twins for international bonus pool money. What's interesting about that is the reason Seattle made that trade. You know, you don't really see teams trading away a fifth rounder, which is a fairly high draft pick, especially back in 2017 when there were 40 rounds in the draft. You probably invested a solid amount of money in a fifth round pick. They traded him, you know, only six months after drafting him. And the reason they did it is the Twins gave them a good amount of international bonus pool money. 
And the Mariners' plan was to try and use that bonus pool money to sign Shohei Otani. We see how that worked out. But Benuelos has been in the twin system ever since. And, and this year, very similar to Jacob Hernandez, just ran out of time on that initial minor league deal. And the twins allowed him to become a minor league free agent. Now, he was in AAA for two seasons in 2021 and 22, but never broke into the big leagues. But he did take a step back this year. I think the Twins kind of realized he wasn't going to be a big league option, so they actually stuck him in AA for most of this season. Now, he had a couple of minor injuries where he missed a, a month or two throughout the season. But in AA this year, was actually the first time in his minor league career he had really hit well. Now, you could argue he's 26, 27, repeating AA after being in AAA for a couple years. Of course, he's going to hit well. But he did have a 133 WRC+. Plus. 270 average, 526 slugging, 10 home runs, high strikeout rate, but also a high walk rate as well. It was a good offensive season, and he's been known as a really good defensive catcher in his time. Career 38% caught stealing rate in the minor leagues, which is a very, very good number for a backstop. A right-handed hitter who, yeah, the bat came out, but it's probably not a major league bat. What Banuelos is, is minor league catching depth for the Orioles. I would assume we see him in AAA Norfolk for most of next year because the O's lost a couple of guys in their AAA catching depth that we'll get to in a moment. Benuelos probably will come to big league spring training, but yeah, no, no way he's beating out James McCann for that backup catcher role. He is just depth, and it's always good to have depth in your minor league system. But the reason the Orioles need some more catching depth is a couple of their guys. Mark Colesvary. Anthony Benboom, to name a few of their minor league depth catchers, who both appeared in the big leagues with the Orioles last year, have gone elsewhere on different deals. And we're going to talk about some of the Orioles from 2023 that have now signed elsewhere. That is coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. We are really into the home stretch here of the NFL season. Two weeks left on the NFL calendar, can the Ravens lock up the number one seed? Let's sure hope so. Can Lamar Jackson lock up the MVP? You can get the odds on that over at FanDuel, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. as a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season at FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So we're running through some Orioles news and notes here on a Wednesday episode coming down to the end of 2023. And 2023 saw the Orioles run through a good amount of players. And some of those guys have already signed elsewhere here this offseason. I wanted to start with Jack Flaherty because he was one of the Orioles' five major league free agents this offseason. Now, we already know Kyle Gibson signed a one-year $13 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals to kind of go back home where he's from in Missouri and get a guaranteed rotation spot in St. Louis and be a veteran there. The other three, Adam Frazier, Aaron Hicks, and Shintaro Fujinami, have not signed yet, but we'll get to uh, one of those guys coming up next. But wanted to start with Flaherty, who a couple weeks ago inked a one-year $14 million contract with the Detroit Tigers. Now, you might be thinking, how did Jack Flaherty make more money on his deal than Kyle Gibson did. Gibson was 50 times better than Jack Flaherty was in an Orioles uniform last year. Well, for one reason, Flaherty was much better as a Cardinal last year before the trade. He was much closer to what Gibson did. 
And B, it's more about the potential, right? Jack Flaherty is not even 30 yet. He's still very young. Like, he hit free agency at 27. And I know the last few years have been marred with injury, shoulder issues, velocity down, and and really, at best, inconsistent, and at worst, just bad performance on the mound in both St. Louis and briefly in Baltimore at the end of last season. But teams still think back to when he was one of the best pitchers in baseball in 2019 and leading the Cardinals to the NLCS and was so, so good early in his career before the injuries, and he was only 27, they're thinking maybe he can tweak some things. You know, he seemed to be healthy this year, although he didn't pitch well, he stayed healthy the entire season, so maybe they can fix him. Now, it just did not work out in Baltimore, right? After the trade, 34 and two-thirds innings, mostly as a starter, then was moved to the bullpen at the end of the year, did make the playoff roster, did pitch in one playoff game, just wasn't very good. Overall, 6.75 ERA. Now, a 26% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate, both better than in St. Louis this year, and were both really good numbers for a major league starter. But everything else was just bad. He got hit too much. He got hit hard. And my thing with Jack Flaherty, I never thought the Orioles were really even considering bringing him back. I mean, I'm sure they thought about it, right? They weren't just going to say, yeah, no, we're, we're good. I'm sure they thought about it. But with just how poorly he performed yeah, it would have been fairly cheap. He ends up getting one year, $14 million. The Orioles, I would think, if they're going to sign a free agent pitcher, are going to give out something very similar to that contract because they're not spending you know big years, big money on any of these big-name free agent starting pitchers. So Flaherty would have been in their price range. But I think after you know they get a whole couple of months with him, trying to work with him, trying to fix things, and it just not working out, I think the Orioles saw that this is just going to be too difficult for us to do. There was definitely some tension between the O's and Flaherty after he got there. It is what it is. There was that break he took off the mound when the Orioles were calling it. He just didn't bounce back from his last start. There was there was other stuff going on there between the team and Flaherty, but you know, he seems to be a good guy and like he's pitched really well in his career. Just I don't know, like I don't know if he's unwilling to change I don't know if he's unwilling to like look at 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 bigger data and find out what's wrong with him I don't know if he's just frustrated because he doesn't have the stuff he used to have pre-shoulder injury but again he's only 27 so he could have plenty of time left in his major league career I just see what he looks like now and it's not terrible right he's not disgusting he's not completely useless like he's still a major league pitcher but he's just nothing more than that at this point and if he takes one step back He's maybe not even a major league pitcher going into 2025. Like He has a bad year with Detroit. Again, this is a prove-it deal. This is Flaherty saying, I'm going to sign with one team. They're going to give me 30 starts. I'm going to show I'm still good, and then I'll cash in in free agency next year. If this goes poorly in Detroit for Flaherty this year, I mean, he might be looking at, at minor league deals or being turned into a reliever heading into 2025 when he's not even 30. It's a really tough spot for him just watching him in that O's uniform. The stuff... It's not very good, but in general, it's just not crisp. Like, he's not missing bats. The stuff is just not there consistently. It's a different pitcher, it looks like, than early in his days in St. Louis. I just didn't see the O's going there, and and that's why he ended up with Detroit. Now, we really haven't heard any rumors about Aaron Hicks or Shintaro Fujinami and where they could sign, and it's still possible that one of or both of them could potentially re-sign with the Orioles at some point this offseason. But the other guy I would just think, 
not coming back to Baltimore is Adam Frazier. And while he hasn't signed yet, we got some rumors and some reporting last week out of Pittsburgh that the Pirates are interested in a reunion with Adam Frazier. He was drafted by the Pirates. He played in Pittsburgh from 2016 to 2021 until they traded him to the Padres. Had some really good years there with the Pirates, too. He was an all-star there. He just... He seems more comfortable in Pittsburgh. They're trying to figure things out like they had a really good start to last year and then were just terrible down the stretch. They have a lot of young players, but could use some more veterans in that lineup. And I think Adam Frazier on a one-year deal back to Pittsburgh, they've already brought back Andrew McCutcheon again, just makes so much sense. And again, for Frazier, like he was up and down. He found a power stroke that he had never had before this year in Baltimore. And, you know, he was more of a part-time player by the end of the year. But the first, you know, four months of the year, he was mostly in that Orioles lineup, playing second base, playing a little outfield as well. He did struggle down the stretch. He wasn't the same hitter the Orioles thought they would get. They got more power, but they also got more strikeouts. He used to be the guy who didn't strike out, didn't walk, just put the ball in play, hit singles and doubles. He was still kind of that player in Baltimore, but more power, more strikeouts. It was just a weird version of Adam Frazier that we got for the Orioles this year. And with all of the infielders they have, I still think the O's could think about bringing in a big league infielder just to be another stopgap while they make sure, you know, is Joey Ortiz ready? Is Jackson Holiday ready? But I don't think it's going to be Adam Frazier. Just didn't work out like the O's wanted. And I think much better fit for him to go back to Pittsburgh. And then there were just three guys I wanted to quickly mention, one of which appeared in the big leagues with the Orioles this year, two of which didn't, but but all three spent a majority of their time in AAA Norfolk with the Orioles system last year. One was Lewin Diaz, who the Orioles brought in on waivers last offseason and was kind of competing for that backup first base job that ultimately went to Ryan O'Hearn. But Diaz became pretty good depth at, at Norfolk. Like the, the Norfolk Tides didn't really have a first baseman before Lewin Diaz going into last year. And he had almost 500 plate appearances, had a 103 WRC+, plus, continued to play elite first base defense. Like it's literally maybe the best defensive first baseman in professional baseball still. But just there, there was never that spot for him to come up. Even when Ryan Mountcastle was injured, it was mostly Ryan O'Hearn. You saw Santander and Arias at first base. You know, you even saw Josh Lester come up and, and get a chance at the big leagues. But Lewin Diaz was just too far down that list to get that shot. He gets a minor league deal with the Nationals. Probably a better window into playing time there if he can get back to the bigs. I mean, they do have Joey Manessis at first base slash DH, but... He didn't really follow up his 2022 last year with any kind of amazing season. So just shout out to him for, for giving some good innings, good at-bats at AAA Norfolk. Another guy who was at Norfolk all year was Daz Cameron, who the Orioles also brought in on waivers last offseason. Had a little bit of big league time in center field with the Tigers. Son of former big leaguer Mike Cameron, former top prospect in Houston when Mike Elias was there. One of the big reasons that I think the Orioles brought him in. And he was kind of the main center fielder or main outfielder for a lot of the year in Norfolk. Again, about 450 plate appearances, about a league average hitter down there. But he continued to play like elite defense at all three outfield positions. And, you know, I had heard that if the Orioles, when Cedric Mullins went down for the first time with that groin injury in late May, and one day later the O's went and, and picked up Aaron Hicks and signed him to a major league deal, it sounded like that if the Orioles were not able to get Hicks in that deal, I think the next option was they were going to add Daz Cameron to the 40-man roster and call him up to the big leagues. And basically between him and Ryan McKenna and Austin Hayes, they were going to figure out center field until Mullins or Colton Cowser got injured. And I'm very happy the O's got Aaron Hicks because he was just huge for the O's in, in multiple instances last year. But it sounded like Daz Cameron almost got another shot at the big leagues, and he signs a minor league deal with the Oakland Athletics, which tells me 
he'll probably get another shot at the big leagues in 2024. That A's team, just horrendous. And then the last guy signing elsewhere on a minor league deal is Anthony Bemboom, who signed a minor league deal with the Detroit Tigers earlier this offseason. Now, Bemboom of these three guys, the only one who's played in the big leagues, played in 28 games in the bigs with the Orioles over the past two seasons. Remember, he opened 2022 as the Orioles' backup catcher behind Robinson Chirinos and then was sent down once Adley Rutschman was finally called up in May. And then Ben Boom returned actually multiple times in 2023. He did not win the backup catcher job as was expected. James McCann was Adley's backup. But McCann had two separate stints on the injured list this year. And both times, the Orioles went to Ben Boom as the backup catcher on the big league roster. He was, I think, cemented as the third catcher in this organization for the last couple of years. Good defender, kind of a, a pretty left-handed swing, although he didn't produce much when he was at the plate. Tough, too, when you're not getting a lot of chances. But he seemed to be just a really good third catcher to have. And I'm actually sad to see him go. Not that he's going to contribute you know, much unless... Adley or McCann would get hurt at some point in 2024. He's nice depth to have. I just felt like he was a really good third insurance catcher. Maybe the O's feel like they have a better option now in AAA, and they might have that. It might be David Benuelos, who we just talked about, but I think he gave some some good time to the O's as that third catcher and sometimes that backup as well. But one more thing to get to coming up next before we finish off this Orioles news and notes episode. So to finish up on the Orioles news and notes here, just wanted to talk a bit about Ryan Miner. I know many of you have heard the news already coming out last week. If you have not, former Oriole player and minor league coach and manager Ryan Miner passed away due to colon cancer last week at the age of 49. This is obviously, you know, it shouldn't take something like this for you to hear this, you to go do this. But I mean, once you're at that age, I mean, I think for doctors, it's it's past 40 now. And we know with what happened to Trey Mancini, it can happen younger. Like, go get screened for colon cancer. Go do what you need to do right now. Because if they find it early, they can stop it. But just really, really sad news. Ryan Miner, who was a big part of the Orioles family. Now, obviously, what Ryan Miner is known for best in Baltimore is he's the guy who replaced Cal Ripken Jr. September 20th, 1998, Cal goes into the manager's office and basically says... That's it. I think I want the streak to end. And they end up putting Ryan Miner, a young rookie infielder, into the lineup in Cal's place that night. And that's what he is mostly known for. But I think, honestly, his impact on the Orioles was much, much larger than just the guy who replaced Cal that night. He was a 33rd round pick of the Orioles back in 1996. He was a guy who was a two-sport star at Oklahoma. Star on the baseball team and star on the basketball team. And he was in training camp in the NBA. Like, he literally could have played in the NBA if he wanted to. But he ultimately chose baseball, made it to the big leagues in 98 with the Orioles, of course, made that start in September, replacing Cal. And was with the O's until 2000, didn't have a lot of success. They ended up trading him in the 2000 offseason for Jorge Julio, a reliever that uh, pitched for the O's for a few years. Traded him to the Expos. He played a bit in the bigs for Montreal in 2001, and then his big league career was over. Played a little more in the minors and an independent ball until he retired in 2006. Then in 2008, he was hired by the Orioles as a minor league coach. And in 2010, he started as the manager in Delmarva. And from basically 2010 to 2019, he was either the manager of the Delmarva Shorebirds or the Frederick Keys, the low A and high A affiliates of the Orioles at the time. Every single year, and he made a mark on a lot of young Orioles players. And remember, this wasn't even just the past regime. 
in 2019, he was still the manager down there in the O system. Even when Mike Elias and his people took over, they kept Ryan Miner on for that 2019 season. Then 2020 minor leagues get canceled, doesn't come back in 21. Coached one more season in the minors in 2021, I believe in the Tiger system as well. And and again, you know, it's it's a lot of that replacing cow stuff that you're going to see. But if you just go onto social media over the last few weeks, all of the, you know, current and former Orioles minor leaguers just it seemed it was dozens of them putting out messages of support talking about how much Ryan Miner meant to them and their career you know mostly as their coach in either Delmarva or Frederick when they were coming up through the Orioles system you just saw like how many positive amazing messages that he got and again this is a guy who he, he only played 87 games for the Baltimore Orioles at the big league level but he managed so 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 many more for 10 years in the minors and affected the lives of so many Orioles minor leaguers you think of a lot of the guys the prospects who were drafted 2018 and earlier by the O's like most likely they were managed by Ryan Miner at some point in the O's system, and a lot of them have a relationship, a connection with him. Our thoughts go out to Ryan Miner's friends and his family and the entire Orioles community uh, for this tragic loss. But again, just it's important to know that, that yes, the, the, the big thing on his career is he replaced Cal, but I think he meant a whole lot more to the Orioles organization than just that. That'll do it for today's episode. We thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to rate and review. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. If you have mailbag questions for a future mailbag, if you have any thoughts, opinions about the show, about the Orioles, whatever it may be, you can email me. LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com is the email address. One more episode coming up later this week. I'll be back on Friday. Final episode of the week and final episode of 20. 23. You're not going to miss that one coming up on Friday. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, everybody.